You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We are coming down the home stretch, church, when it comes to this book of 1 Corinthians here. If anybody needs a Bible, you can flag one of these guys down and get one. You, you will need a Bible today. Because we're going to be looking at some different passages. I just want to encourage you, though, to, uh, to feel free, if I'm going too fast, if I'm going too fast, to just jot the Scripture down on your study outline and I will read these scriptures to you so you can listen and follow along. But it might help to just write the scripture down on the side of your notes and then go back to it later so you can look at it, okay? But 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're looking at the first 12 verses of the chapter. And we're talking about of plans and planning this morning. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I, I believe that God has a reason for bringing each one of you into this place this morning. And, and, and that we're opening up the word he desires to speak to us. Paul is wrapping up the letter here in chapter 16. And he has final or two final clarifications that he's desiring to communicate to the church there in Corinth. Uh, we'll look next week at everything he's covered. I didn't want to do that this week, just for the time's sake. But right now in chapter 16, he's going to deal with the issue of the love offering for the church in Jerusalem. That's the first four verses. And then he also wants to let the Corinthian church know about his own personal ministry plans. And this is the last chapter. And in this chapter, Paul reveals to us that he was a man who planned ahead and held to several biblical principles. Now this morning, I planned ahead. I planned to share a story with you from a devotional that I left in my office. So I'm going to run and grab that really fast. You guys know the drill. I do this all the time. I'll be right back. I'm not joking. It's right here. I'm going to grab it. I'll be right back. (laughs) What are you doing in my office? (laughs) Illustrations of what not to do when you're planning ahead. Streams in the desert, August 17th. A little story I wanted to read to you this morning, so listen in. A number of years ago, I went to America with a steamship captain who is a very devoted Christian. When we were off the coast of Newfoundland, he said to me, the last time I sailed here, which was five weeks ago, something happened that revolutionized my entire Christian life. I had been on the bridge for 24 straight hours when George Mueller of Bristol, England, who was a passenger on board, came to me and said, Captain, I need to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. That is impossible, I replied. Very well, Mueller responded. If your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way, for I have never missed an engagement in 57 years. Let's go down to the chart room to pray. I looked at this man of God and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum did he escape from? I had never encountered someone like this, Mr. Mueller. I said, do you realize how dense the fog is? 
No, he replied, my eye is not on the dense fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He then knelt down and prayed one of the most simple prayers I've ever heard. When he had finished, I started to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. He said, first, you do not believe God will answer, and second, I believe he already has. Consequently, there is no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. As I looked at him, he said, Captain, I've known my Lord for 57 years, and there's never been a single day that I failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door, and you'll see the fog is gone. I got up, and indeed the fog was gone. And on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his meeting. Pretty cool story. But I like that story because it ties into what we'll be speaking about today, what I'll be talking to you about today. He was, George Mueller was an incredible man of faith. He lived a life of simple faith and trust in the power of God. He was a man who made plans, he planned ahead, and yet in the midst of the plan, he trusted his God to confirm those plans or to not confirm them. I read you this story because I thought it would be a good opening at what we're going to look at this morning. I thought we would take some time this morning to look at some biblical principles, six biblical principles to be exact, about making plans in our lives. Now this is a bit different than how we normally study the Bible on a Sunday morning. Normally we do an inductive Bible study where we impartially extract the, extract the facts and those lead us to a conclusion. For those of you that are taking the inductive Bible study class, you're going, cha-ching! Oh yeah, I remember that. He said that last Sunday. But today we're going to do a deductive Bible study, which is more of looking at a theme and extracting some biblical, or looking at a theme and then using scripture to support that theme in our lives. And I, I picked, I want to do it this way today because it gives us some really good practical and useful principles here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 for our lives today. And I hope that you guys will be blessed. So let's look at six biblical principles for planning ahead as we make our way through the text this morning. Look at verse 1, 1 Corinthians 16. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, Paul says, I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. So the first biblical principle we want to look at this morning is about making God and His kingdom a priority. Notice that Paul has exhorted the Corinthians in these first four verses to plan ahead. Planning ahead for the kingdom of God. He specifically tells them to set aside something for the offering that they will bring to the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was being persecuted at that time in their history, and they were going through a very rough time. Christians didn't have much in those times, and and, and they were hurting, and so because of that Paul was uh, asking the churches throughout the different areas there to collect an offering and to send that with him or with somebody from the church to Jerusalem to help them out. 
And so Paul encourages them here to plan ahead by setting something aside. Whatever they could. Note that he doesn't say set aside 10% of your paycheck. Okay? That's actually not a New Testament principle. 10% is an Old Testament principle. Here in the New Testament, Paul says, hey, whatever you can. We understand that life can be tough. Life can be difficult at times. But whatever you can, set it aside at the beginning of the week. Put God first, in other words. And that brings us to the principle for planning in our lives today that I want to note. The biblical principle that we must make God and His kingdom a priority in our plans. As you guys go along this morning, you can fill in the blanks on your study guide. I put that together for you guys to help you uh, go through this study with me. But I want to take a second and look at this biblical principle. This biblical principle is taught by Jesus Christ himself in Luke chapter 16. If you grab your Bible, flip over to Luke chapter 16, obviously leave a ribbon in 1 Corinthians 16. We'll be back. But in Luke chapter 16, I'd like to read the first eight verses with you, where we see Jesus teaching us through a parable about making God a priority in our planning. Luke chapter 16, beginning there in verse 1, Jesus speaking to his disciples. It says, He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he comes up with a plan. In other words, verse 5. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. 50% discount, wow. And then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward. Verse 8, because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I'll pause there. What is Jesus commending the unjust steward for in this parable? He's commending, is he commending him for going out and cheating his master out of goods by changing the ticket? No, not at all. That would be unjust. And we know that Jesus is not down with sin. He's not okay with sin. So what is Jesus commending him for? He's commending him specifically because of his shrewdness. Or another word for that could be wisdom. His wisdom in that he planned ahead for his future, church. I hope you see that in this. Jesus says the unbelievers of this world are actually more wise than Christians are in this aspect of their lives. What am I talking about? I'm talking about planning ahead, guys. How much more should Christians who know the end from the beginning, be planning ahead for the day when we will stand before our Maker. How much more should you and I be making God the priority in our lives today? 
setting aside for him not only just the first fruits of what he has given to us, but also realizing that my life, my resources, my time, my gifts, my skills, my experience, God, how do you want to use it for your glory? This should be something that we make a priority. Secondly, Paul had a plan. Do you? Paul had a plan. Do you have a plan for your life? Look at verse 5 with me back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. Let's pause right there for a moment. Here we see Paul revealing his future plan for ministry in these verses. Now what is interesting is that in this particular plan, he says, I'm going to come and visit you. Well, guess what, guys? This plan to come and visit the Corinthians, it never actually came to pass. In fact, Paul had to revise this plan two different times before he ever made it to Corinth for his second visit. Now, this reminds us that it is actually presumptuous for us as Christians to make plans without involving God. (laughs) Okay, Don't make a plan that does not acknowledge or involve God in your life. Plans are good, but they must be flexible. Right? That's what Paul shows us here. That's why it's important to build our plans on biblical principles like these that we're talking about this morning. Biblical principles act like a safety net beneath your plans. You may make a plan, but that plan is subject to God and life and everything else that happens. And so if you're a rigid planner like some people are and something goes wrong, well, you're probably going to get upset. You're probably going to get angry. You're probably going to be really frustrated and ticked off that things didn't go your way. Well, guess what? You're not God. You can't make everything happen the way you always want it to. And so it's wise to have these biblical principles underneath your planning as a safety net that support you when your plans fall through. That way we can make a new plan in the moment and keep on going. Maybe that plan is simply to pray and ask God for help like George Mueller did. Remember that? Man, I've got a speaking engagement on Saturday. God, you can lift this fog. Help me. That's what he did. That was his plan. I'm going to pray. But Winston Churchill was the one who said that plans are of little importance, but planning is essential. I love that quote. Plans are of little importance, but planning itself, that's essential to life. Listen, guys, think about it. If you don't have a plan for your life, that means somebody else is running your life. Somebody else is going to make a plan for you, and you'll be operating on what somebody else wants you to do. God has a plan for your life, but it's up to us to get in touch with God and to seek Him out and to ask Him to help us map out our course. And guys, get this. Those of you that actually take the time to seek the Lord for a plan for your life, you're going to get way further than people that don't do it at all. You're going to get way further in accomplishing the things that God has for you than people who sit back and let life happen to them. 
So listen, let's talk to, about making a plan. I want to give you three things to consider when you make a plan for your life. First of all, seek the Lord's will. Seek the Lord's will. And you can jot down here next to that in your outline, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I want to read those verses to you right now this morning. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I like that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Are you trusting that the Lord has got a plan and it is the absolute best plan? I guarantee you it is. Our God knows what He's doing and He's a good God. And even if you're going through suffering, even if you're in the midst of a storm, like those who are in Florence right now, hey, trust me, God has a plan to work it together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purposes. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. You see, it is through acknowledging the Lord. It is through trusting the Lord. It is through coming to Him and saying, God, this is what I'm thinking, but you tell me what you're thinking. Tell me if this is going to be okay. That's when the Lord steps in and says, okay, I'm going to begin to direct your path. You know, so often I talk to young people that are wondering what God has for them. What does God want me to do as I go into high school or as I head into college? What is the degree that I'm supposed to pursue in those college years? What am I supposed to do with my life? You know what I like to tell them? Hey, it's a lot easier to steer a moving car than it is to steer a parked car. Have you ever tried to steer a parked car? It just doesn't happen, does it? You get in, you try to hold that steering wheel and twist it, and it's like, you know, trying to get that wheel to move. It doesn't move, and and the car's not going anywhere. But you get that car moving, even if it's two, three, four miles an hour, and suddenly the steering wheel loosens up and it begins to move as you move that car. Guess what? The same is, is true for life. As you step out in faith and begin to do the things you know the Lord has already showed you to do, He will steer and direct your life. As you acknowledge Him, as you trust and lean upon Him, He will direct your path. Also, I want to read James chapter 1 and verse 5. Another question a lot of people has is, well, how do I know that this is what God wants? Well, what you're really asking for is wisdom. And the Bible has a promise for that from James chapter 1 and verse 5. Write that down if you're taking notes. And I'll read it to you. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives all or gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So God promises to give wisdom to those that are asking him for it. And Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Sometimes it's more than just asking. You've got to dive in and seek. And sometimes it's more than seeking. You've got to start knocking on doors and figuring things out. And guess what, Christian? That applies to your life. Christianity is not sitting back and going, okay, God is going to supernaturally infuse knowledge into my head. He could do that. But what are you going to do if he doesn't? It's time to get up. It's time to seek. It's time to ask and knock. And those are the things that we are to do with the Lord's, for, the, for the Lord's plan in our lives. No plan should be made without acknowledging the Lord. You should be seeking the mind of the Lord for you and your future. Secondly, We need to read God's word. Be there. Read God's word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Guys, no plan should be made in life that contradicts God's word. And God's word actually sheds light on the way in which you should go. Guys, if, you're, if your path leads you into a place where you have to tell lies and be somebody that you're not, that's contradicting God's word. That's not God's will. He's not going to lead you there. But you would never know that if you weren't in the Word, renewing your mind in the Word of God on a daily basis. A perfect example of, of God's Word directing our lives comes to us in James chapter 3. In fact, I'd like for you guys to turn there where we're going to talk about testing our motives when it comes to planning our lives. We need to test our motives. And James chapter 3 has some great advice for us, shed some light on our path for anybody who's seeking to plan in their lives. James chapter 3, verse 13, where we read about heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom, or demonic wisdom, the Bible says. Verse 13, James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Guys, if your life plans are built on envy and self-seeking, guess what? Confusion and evil is going to follow, okay? So don't build your plans on selfish motives. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Guys, the Bible tells us we're to test our motives. How do we know if something is wise, if it's prudent, if it's the Lord, if it's His will? Hey, we test our motives in it. If what we're doing is creating the works of of earthly wisdom, where it's bitterness and envy and self-seeking in our hearts, where we're boasting about ourselves, where we're lying to get ahead and things like that, hey, that's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. Test our motives. Verse 17 says, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Pure means that it lines up with God's word. It doesn't contradict good doctrine. Peaceable means that you've got a peace about it. There's a peace in your heart when it comes to this plan that you're making and devising. It's, you're able to be gentle in it. You're not having to force it. You're not twisting people's arms to make it happen. And you're willing to yield. Hey, this is a great one for you young people to run this through the filter of your parents. See what they have to say about it. What does mom and dad have to say about my plan for my life? Hey, and, and, and are you willing to yield to those authority figures that God has placed? Maybe you need to run it by your pastor or somebody who's spiritually mature and get some input and find out, am I willing to yield to those spiritual authorities God has placed in my life in, in accordance with this plan that I'm making? Those are all things that the Word of God is useful for. And we need to be asking ourselves that question, hey, do I have the peace of God about this in my life? Colossians 3.15 says that we are to be Christians who let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That just simply means that, hey, the peace that God's already given me, it's all, it's all there, it's always been there. 
Or is it this peace that I'm lacking right now and I've, I've never had it? And so I just need to get out of this because this is not God's plan. I don't have peace. Our third principle this morning for planning ahead is to be flexible, allowing for the Lord to change your plan. Look at verses 5 through 7 again, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Notice the flexibility that Paul built into his plan in verses 5 through 7. He says things like this, and it may be that I will remain. Do you see the flexibility that's built into that? It may be that I will remain. He also says that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. Notice he leaves certain things open to the Lord. He builds flexibility into his plan. He also says there, if the Lord permits, underline that phrase in your Bibles. Why do I say underline that? Because that's the ultimate qualifier for anybody's plan. We should all be making plans and then saying, well, if the Lord permits, I'm going to do this. In fact, doesn't the Bible say that? In James 4.15, it says, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So guys, the ultimate qualifier is if the Lord wills. That should be built into our plans, this flexibility. We realize, hey, things may not turn out the way we want. You know, we might go into a marriage thinking that it is going to be amazing thinking that it is going to turn out exactly the way I've imagined it. It's going to be beyond my dreams. And then you realize, a year into that marriage, that that person that you married is a sinner just like you are. And that they're carrying baggage in their life. And that they need to deal with those things, and you're going to have to help them, or, or vice versa. And so we need to realize, okay, Lord, I need to be seeking you and for your will in, in all of these different situations This is what I want to do, but Lord, if you will, this is what I'm going to do. Our fourth principle for planning then takes us now to this in verses 8 and 9. The presence of difficulties or adversaries does not mean that you are not in God's will. Look at verse 8 with me. Paul says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Notice there, Paul sees a great and effective door is open to him. Man, he's ministering there. He had actually set up a school in Ephesus, and people were coming, and they were getting discipled, and they were learning about Jesus, and they were going out, and they were changing that town upside down. So much so that the people that sold silver idols were trying to kick Paul out of the town because of everything he was doing there for the Lord. But there was so much difficulty and adversaries there coming against Paul. And yet he he recognized, hey, that's not the Lord. That's Satan. That's the enemy. And so sometimes there is adversaries that come against, but it doesn't mean that you're not in God's will. So we need to take that into our account as we plan for things. Hey, is this of the enemy? Or is this really God just removing my peace? If you've still got God's peace, you need to stay put until he shows you otherwise. Fifthly, as we plan our lives, as we plan ahead in our lives, we don't want to allow our planning to be dominated by fear. Check out verse 10 and 11 with me. It says, And if Timothy comes... See that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. 
I love these verses because they reveal a little bit of uh, Paul's heart. Timothy is a young pastor. He's been raised up by Paul, the apostle. And, and Paul was kind of pouring into him and discipling. But, but Timothy had a problem. Not only was he young, he was also filled with anxiety or fear. He was a young man that was looking at his future and kind of fearful about what lay ahead. And so because of that, he didn't really know how to operate in his gifts, in the gifts that the Lord had given him. It's a great description of, of, of a lot of young people today, I think. A lot of young people that are learning their place and trying to figure out what their gifts are and understanding how God wants to use you guys in the world today. And looking at your generation, you know, and, and there's, you know, so much entertainment that's based on dystopia these days, you know, as society's going downhill and it's all ending, you know, and, and we can be filled with anxiety, but get this, God doesn't want you to be a person who's filled with fear. He doesn't want fear to dominate your life or your future. He wants you to in, instead to step out in faith, trusting in the Lord. See, Paul had poured into Timothy and raised him up. But he was so timid and fearful, he wouldn't have done anything on his own. I'm sure if it had been up to Timothy, he wouldn't have planned to go to Corinth on Paul's behalf. He wouldn't have stepped out to, to start looking into, you know, which university he should attend or maybe to get his driver's license or something like that. I don't know. But, but, but think about this. Timothy wasn't a guy who was going to go get it on his, done, on his own. He wasn't going to go get it done on his own. But Paul wasn't about to allow Timothy's weaknesses and fear to hold him back. Instead, he sends Timothy. He sends him out with a word of affirmation. He builds him up. He wants him to be confident, and he sends him to the Corinthian church there. And he tells the Corinthians to, to not despise him. What a good word for maybe some of us that are older this morning as we're looking in, in the younger generations that are coming up. Do you look upon them and you kind of despise them in your heart maybe and go, man, these millennials or these, these Gen Z, you know, people, you know, they're, 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 you know, and you've got your preconceived ideas of who they are. Listen, don't despise the young. Don't despise the youth. They're the ones that we need to be passing the torch to. They're the ones that we need to be praying for. They're the ones that we need to be coming alongside and saying, hey, God's got this. You can do this with him. Step out in faith. We're with you. We're with you, and we need to be supporting and coming alongside. But we need, to, obviously, we need to be wise, too. We need to be wise. Young people, we do need to be wise. And this is where your olders in Christ can come in. We need to be wise. We need to honestly assess ourselves. We need to assess the situation. We need to get input. But in the end, we can't allow fear to dominate our plans. And lastly today, we need to learn to say no with grace. Learn to say no with grace. Look at verse 12 with me. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has convenient time. Notice that Apollos did not do what Paul. We're talking about Paul, one of the most influential guys in Christianity of his day. He encouraged Apollos to go to Corinth and to help them get some of their problems squared away. But even though Paul holds that position of influence over him, Apollos stuck to his plan. He stuck to what the Lord or what he felt was the Lord's will for him in that situation. 
Guys, I'm sure it was not an easy thing for Apollos to do this. Think about, it. Think about it for a second. It would be like turning down the Billy Graham of his day. Now, I know Billy Graham is in heaven right now, rejoicing in God's presence, totally cashing in on the gift of eternal life. But I, as a minister, I can imagine, you know, Billy Graham calling me up here at the church. Hey, I want you to come on a crusade with me. I want you to share the gospel with me. And, and, and I, would have to, I would have to go, yeah, right, who is this, you know? <laughs> Who, who's talking to me right now on the phone? But, no, it's Billy Graham. Oh, Billy, man, I, I, I can't go. Because what God has showed me to do right now is to be faithful here in Paris, Texas, to what he has put in front of me. I, I just don't feel the Lord leading me to do that right now. You know how hard that would be for me? I, probably, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I'd probably more like, like hey, guys, Justin's going to take over. I'm going to be gone for a few months. We'll be back later. But Apollos, he definitely respected Paul. And he respected Paul's place in God's kingdom. But listen, he did not allow Paul to trump the plan that God had given to him specifically for his life. He knew what was important because he had planned ahead. He knew where the priorities lie or lay, and he graciously turned Paul down in a way that preserved their relationship. Did you notice that? Paul and Apollos, they're still on speaking terms. Paul seemed a little bit upset, but he's, he's still talking about him, and, and he says he's going to come later. So all of that to say, learn to say no with grace. Paul was a man with a plan, and that's our conclusion today. Paul was a man with a plan, but listen, his plan was submitted to God, and he was flexible. What are we going to take away from this this morning? Man, I hope that you guys take away some application for your lives. If you leave here today and you just go home and you don't do anything with this message, I'll be a little bit bummed. I've got to be honest. I'll be a little bit bummed. But even bigger than that, you're going to miss out on a blessing. You're going to miss out on a blessing that God wants to do a work in your life and through your life. God wants you to ask yourself three questions as you apply this message and take this home with you and think about this. Because your life is fleeting. Your life, you don't have tomorrow promised to you. You've got today. And today is the day that you can make those plans for the future, submitting them to God's will, realizing that, hey, Lord, the ultimate qualifier is if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this or that. But to not make a plan is to allow another day to go by in which somebody else is going to plan your life for you. And and, and it's more of an opportunity for your life to be wasted. So ask yourself these three questions. Number one, how do I want to be remembered? Any life that is going to make a good life plan has to know how you want that life to end first. You've got to look at the end. And guess what? Every single one of you is going to stand before your maker one day. How do you want to be remembered by the people that you perhaps leave behind? Your parents, your spouse, your children, your siblings. So my homework assignment for you guys today, church, is to go home and to think about how you want to be remembered in your life. How do you want people to talk about you at your funeral when you're gone? Why does Phil always have to be so morbid, you know? 
I'm always talking about death. Look, I'm not trying to get you down, okay? I'm just trying to get you to wake up, to think about today while you've still got it. Think about your future while you're still here today and while you can still plan. Secondly, what matters most to you in life? What matters most in your life? Those are the things that you need to prioritize on your weekly schedule, on your monthly calendar, on your yearly planner, on your three-year goals, guys. Where do you want to be in three years, five years, ten years? Paul had that stuff laid out. He's like, hey, I'm passing through Macedonia right now, but I'm going to come to you. And when I come, I want to stay for a while. And then after I leave, I want you to send me on my way, well-equipped for wherever God is going to send me next. He knew he was going. He knew what he was doing. He had things in mind. And he had planned and prioritized what mattered most to him. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching him and him crucified. It was the mission field. It was planting churches. And Paul took the time to plan for that. Have you taken the time to plan for what matters most to you? Is it your children? Is it your grandchildren? Is it the career that the Lord has given you? What is it that God has called you and given you a passion for and equipped you for and given you a purpose to do with your life? Man, submit that to the Lord and ask Him, acknowledge Him and say, Lord, help me to plan this out. What matters most to me? And lay those things down on paper. And then thirdly, how can I get from where I am right now to where I feel that God wants me to be? And this is where you begin to come up with some action plans. You need to come up with an action plan. Man, I'm really bitter. I'm a bitter person, and it's destroying my marriage. It's destroying my family. And so I need to take some steps right now to get some healing for the bitterness in my heart. And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sign up for Healed and Set Free the next time it comes up at class. Or I'm going to join the School of Discipleship Ministry and join the women's group and, and get involved with that class. Or I'm going to ask somebody here at church to pray for me about this. And you begin to make an action plan about how you can get from where you are now to where you feel that God wants you to be in your life. And guess what, guys? It's not big, huge things that are going to get you there. It's the small, incremental steps. You've got to be specific. You know, they talk about smart goals in the business world. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-bound, that's a great plan to follow when it comes to getting to where you want to be in your life. Make a specific goal. Make it measurable. Make sure you can achieve it. Make sure it's realistic, and then put a date on it. God, I'm going to be done with bitterness by the end of 2018. I'm going to have it worked out. I'm going to get it out of my heart, and I'm going to be following you with all that I am. Hey, that's a great plan. Maybe you don't achieve it, but guess what? You'll be a lot further along than if you just sit here today and don't do anything about it. So make a plan. The last thing I want to say to you today as I close this message is that no matter what plans you make, no matter your planning, I said this before, but all of us will one day stand before our maker. You can count on that. The master planner of the universe has a special day in mind. He knows it. We don't know it, but you will stand before him. He has planned for that day. He has made that day possible for you to inherit eternal life through receiving and trusting in his son, Jesus Christ, for your salvation. But because of sin, because of the wrong things that you and I have done, hey, 
there's a possibility that we won't make it. We've been separated from that master plan for our salvation. We've been cut off from eternal life in heaven because of why? Because of our own rebellion, the Bible teaches. That all of us, without Christ, are destined for hell. A place, the Bible says, that all unbelievers will end up. Humans have tried to plan their lives apart from God, leaving God out of it. Maybe you're that person here today. But today, by God's grace, and because God loves you, you're hearing this message right now. You're listening And you have an opportunity to turn your life with all of your plans over to God. And I want to encourage you to do that. You can do that simply today by admitting that you're a sinner, by confessing your sins to God, and then by asking His Son, Jesus Christ, to save you and to come into your life. And if you will take the time to do that today, not only will you be rescued from an eternity in damnation apart from God's love, but you'll also discover that he's got an awesome plan for your life. So will you turn over your life to him today? Let's pray.